Bose is the presenting partner of Beyond the Grid. That's because Bose QuietComfort 35 II goes beyond what you would expect from a pair of headphones. Just flip the switch to experience the industry-leading active noise reduction feature and all distractions of the world around you fade away, allowing you to focus fully on what matters to you. Hi, I'm Robert Kubica and you are listening to Beyond the Grid. Hello everyone, welcome back. It's only been a few days, but here we are with episode two. And this week I'm joined by Robert Kubica, Poland's first and thus far only Formula One driver. Some of you may not know that Bobby Kay was super quick back in the day and a man destined for great things. That was until a near fatal rally crash cut short his career and severed his right arm in 2011. But Robert doesn't know the meaning of no or can't or pain and he's fought his way back into Formula One as a driver. A more inspirational tale would be hard to find. He told me to meet him in a hotel at Milan Linate Airport. He was passing through the city en route to Lake Como where he was going cycling with friends and he said our chat would have to take place at the hotel or on a road bike. So after deciding to do it at the bar, it was ironic that we should have a microphone issue. Thankfully, the recording worked out okay, and what a story. Robert confronts his issues head-on, so get ready for tales of racing Rosberg and Hamilton in karting, his deal with one of F1's mega-teams, and his recuperation from that rally crash. I can't think of a more honest and interesting Grand Prix driver, but don't take my word for it. Have a listen for yourselves. Robert, welcome to Beyond the Grid. You're a man who has rammed more into your 33 years on this planet than most people do in a lifetime. It's almost impossible to know where to start with you. Um, racing driver, you know, you've been through an awful lot physically. But I mean, yeah, uh, but honestly, I think uh, we should start it from more personal or I say uh, what's going on and what, uh, what went. Because probably as a race driver, most of the people know my history and know exactly what I have been doing in the past and what I'm doing now. Well then, let's start by talking about how difficult it was for you to become a racing driver. You're the first pole to, to make it to Formula One. Is there any racing history in your family? Where did this passion for driving come from? No, uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny story because uh, in the end uh, I have no, no one was involved in motorsport in my family. Uh, my father, who is big fan of racing, uh, he got his license when he was 26 or 25 uh, because before he couldn't afford uh, a car. Uh, so uh, it is a bit of combination. Uh, I think uh, uh, a passion of my father uh, helped a lot because uh, actually when I get started uh, as a kid in karting, uh, one of... Uh, strong point of of my let's say beginnings were that my father had an idea of doing things properly or not doing it so uh, although i was uh, in poland the karting was not very popular but for example he will never pay me a paint helmet because so, he will say, tell me i save money and i put you two sets of new tires more because you benefit more as a driver uh, so you had a white helmet. So actually, I raced for two years in 1989 with white helmet. 
uh, and it became like uh, my uh, uh, you know Trade highlight on. yeah like uh, but in the end it, it came from because he said no no I, I prefer to spend this money on, on new tires uh, I was going to the first race and I was hoping although my father knew that I'm good he never told me that I'm good actually in my head I was hoping to get to the final to top 34 and I remember first free practice uh, we have white helmet green overall no sponsors nothing how old are you at this point? 13 uh, white uh, plastic uh, you know around the cart with only my name that's it no, no sponsors, sponsors. No, no, nothing nothing like, like looking like uh, 10 years behind all the drivers you know Italian especially Italian is you know nice helmets painted mechanics you know with the gel on the <laughs> everybody looking like uh, Formula 1 uh, I was not allowed to look uh, lap times of classifications so practically I was driving just driving and I, I go to qualifying uh, and that track there was a long straight line with end of straight line fast corner flat out and another straight line to the uh, hairpin but we had only two engines so I couldn't risk to break one because we have no engines for race so what you were doing choking you know there is a filter to just make uh, engine more rich to don't risk to to you know that practically I was choking in three quarters of the flat section I was choking just for security yeah for to be safe and I go to first qualifying there were two qualifyings I go to first qualifying and uh, I forgot to don't choke so I finish qualifying you know we go to the park Ferme, we weigh and I see a screen and I start looking from the bottom I go up 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 and I see myself I remember still now I, I tell you why I remember and I finish fifth and then I hear my father screaming from middle of the paddock what the fuck I was doing because I choke and then I say oh no and you know and and I was it was so mixed emotions because I was so happy but on the same same time I knew I fucked it up and my father was quite ups, upset so what happened uh, second free, uh, qualifying you didn't have any more four, four new tires you have only two because the total was six and I was the only one who improved uh, lap time and I qualified on pole but only thanks. and you were beating which drivers give us some names of the guys everybody who is so did you beat Rosberg yeah I beat Nico I beat Luis I beat uh, I beat uh, uh, many drivers uh, well I, in the end from my generation then I won Italian championship I won German championship I won two times Italian championship I never won a European championship or world championship uh, but yeah so what made you I mean obviously an incredibly successful karting career but what made you kart in Italy as a poet why didn't you go racing somewhere else because it was the uh, strongest championship okay. and that's why coming back to what I said before my father always say or we do things properly or we don't do them so practically uh, practically he chose Italy because in the end most of the biggest teams best championship best names uh, are happening in Italy and then in the end I become a CRG driver official driver and I was running in bedding engines to Nico because Nico uh, Rosberg yeah Nico yeah. Rosberg yeah. because he was running using same chassis and the same material 
and at that time you have to bed in engines for 45 minutes and you have average five engines per weekend because we uh, races were very long it starts on tuesday many hits many free practice wait so actually it took me 10 hours to just bed in my engines and his engines and he was coming with everything ready and the funny thing is we met in silverstone and we have a discussion about all days and i tell you do you even remember no he told me how you can remember those things and i tell you you know why because i was doing it for you so i know <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't remember how much you need because he was not doing it but i was happy to do it you know because in the end for me it was uh, it's good practice no it was yeah this was, was not practice it was painful because okay. it, it means driving 10 15 seconds slower per lap and just be patient to do this 45 minutes and then the you know also the way you do you were doing it it was minimizing then uh, possibility of failures so you have to do it properly you couldn't do it you know just for fun uh, but in the end i was doing what i loved i love, the, I love the idea of you being nico rosberg's test driver even back then um, yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah and uh, but the i remember a few years ago there was an interview with uh, Dino Chiesa. Dino Chiesa is a top, uh, probably the best, or one of two, three, the best people. If you want to karting uh, and uh, and you want to be sure you have good material and he understands very well karting, his most experienced is Dino. I remember I got upset because he did an interview in, uh, in karting magazine saying that uh, uh, Nico was uh, technically much better than everybody else, better than me. But in the end, the truth is that most of the technical stuff or everything for that category in 98 and 99, I was doing. Nico was coming to races and uh, he was practically uh, following what we have seen on the tests. Why were you so good technically so young? I don't know if I was so good, but I was uh, dedicated and I was trained by my father. But your uh, father didn't have. What does your father do for a living? What did he do back then? Uh, he he we we Anything had he had uh, he had no 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 nothing nothing nothing. Uh, but but he he was, I think, very similar to a way of. Uh, I I heard many stories of uh, Max and his father uh, that they were. He was quite harsh on him. It was quite similar. Uh, Isn't it extraordinary though the the influence your father had on you at the time and when you started racing in Italy was the goal always Formula 1 then or was no, it but no I, I honestly I mean, it doesn't sound, arguably it doesn't sound that much fun because you're under quite a lot of pressure from your no, dad no 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 I saying... had so much fun no no because okay. no no uh, the, the thing is when I started racing in, in Italy as an official driver I my father was not allowed to enter uh, a tent he was staying in the grandstand and actually, when I was 14, I was living in the, fa in the factory um, uh, or on the track. So I become very soon independent, which I think was a good school. Uh, I think about coming back to Formula 1, when I was offered to race in Formula Renault in 2001, and my father told me we go to race in Formula Renault, I, I started crying. I didn't want to leave karting because I felt 2000 was not a good year for me and I have to show. Uh, I was in love with karting. It was all my life. Uh, so, uh, and, and because nobody, you know, in, we couldn't watch Formula One in Poland at that age. 
I didn't know what Solomon was, honestly. Uh, okay, I knew, but I was not following because I, I couldn't see it on the television. So what was the goal when you were going? Uh, probably the goal was to become as best as possible. But the sacrifices you made, getting to not, Italy for not the Not myself. Everything what I did at that age, for me, was fun. Right. You know, I was... Uh, when did it become a job? When I, when I signed with CRG at the age of 13, somehow I become... Uh, I'm, I didn't become a paid driver, but I become... Uh, I was not paying for racing. So I think I was one of few in history that at the age of 13 was not paying to race. And uh, I think I was very lucky because honestly, uh, if I didn't get this offer, probably I would not be here because uh, my parents were struggling with the business in Poland. Uh, we didn't have any more money. Actually, uh, my father bought cards. He took money from bank to let me race in 98. And I knew probably we'll have to stop uh, and I will do only one race in European Championship, which was middle of the year. But I couldn't afford, we couldn't afford uh, all championship. Uh, but fortunately, I did very strong start of the season. And uh, yeah, this opportunity arrived. But it's funny, how many future Formula One stars do start their careers in karting? Ah, you raced everybody. everybody and yeah. Lewis Hamilton... He will, um, he will not like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit true. But Lewis Hamilton, you know, you raced... And I have him. a proof in Silverstone when he didn't know how long... Yeah. He was just the arrive and drive, have yeah. it all done for him. But what about Lewis? Can you remember the first time you met him? How quick and how quick was he? Yeah, Lewis, uh, yeah, Lewis was racing with Top Card. It was uh, a company near Parma. He was racing with them. Everybody knew because he was already a McLaren driver at that age. And uh, he was very strong, especially there in Parma. But uh, I destroyed, I think, twice his races there. He was he what was very strong. Destroy what yeah. you mean? You destroy. crashed into no, him? No, 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 no. I won. You were okay. Yeah. You but not because I was faster. Because? Because uh, there were some tricks. So practically I knew I have to qualify in hits in front of him. Because if he would qualify first, he would disappear. There was no chance. So he was very fast. Yeah, in the, at that, that circuit, uh, it was once one of the most representative and most famous tracks in Parma. Uh, now not existing anymore. But that company had something on the track. And probably I discovered. Don't ask me how, but I discovered. So I knew they have some modification in carburetor. And I was 13, eh? 14. I knew they are, it was not cheating, but they modified a carburetion. But there was one risk. If you go too slow in formation lap, he will, um, I don't know how to call it, the practically the spark pack will become too wet, too, too much fuel in, into the carburetion, and you have not enough full throttle to clean it, mm -hmm. and his engine will be off. Almost flood the engine. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to qualify in the heats in front of him. So then I will be the guy who will do speed on formation lap in order to get to the grid. And what I was doing, practically fully closed carburetor. So there was little fuel coming in and the pipe from the fuel tank to the carburetor, I was squeezing it. So practically I was running the engine with no, no minimum fuel. Sometimes even I, I could feel the engine was dying because it had no fuel, like, whoa. So I opened it and two races, he didn't start and I won. 
That's a great trick. You wily old sod at the age of 14. Too, yeah, yeah, I won two races. But was Lewis like a good guy? Was he a friend back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, we were good friends, yeah. Very good friends. Did you get up to no good? No, we, we always get uh, good. But then, uh, for example, uh, we... Our, after karting, he went to Formula Renault, uh, year after, than me. In England. In England. Then we met for Formula 3 in 2004, I think. So year after, yeah, our second year. And we met, actually, we raced together as a teammate in Manor in 2004 in uh, Macau. Who and was quicker? I qualified on pole. <laughs> and I finished in front of him in the race. Okay. I, I don't know what he did. I think he crashed in the race. Is Lewis the same guy now that you knew back then, or do you think he's changed? Because some people say he's changed a bit. You have to ask him. But your relationship with him, is it the same? No. But I think it's a combination of environment, uh, of the way we grow up, yeah. and uh, before we were kids. Now, in the end, uh, everybody has different point of view and different way of living. And uh, so it's not only now, but even when 10 years ago, when we were racing back in Formula 1, I have big respect of him and uh, we passed many days together and uh, very funny stories. And actually, I met him after what eight years, first time in Monaco in uh, Paddock. And it was nice to, you know, to, to see him. Uh, but for sure, it's not the same relationship as we had it 20 years ago. But, uh, Who's the sure. best driver you've ever raced against? Luis. Yeah. Just so fast? Is that is it is speed yeah, that I, stands I, out? Well, it depends. Karting, he was very good, but uh, I was not scared of anyone. Honestly, in karting, uh, I think uh, in karting, uh, uh, yeah, I was probably the one who uh, w was going to be beaten, you know, yeah. uh, by others. Uh, but then uh, in in Formula, he was always very good, and uh, Formula One in the end, you know, in his rookie year, uh, probably if he would have a bit more experience, he would win it that year, two thousand seven. We're obviously going to come on to your Formula One career, but there's one thing I wanted to touch on, which is it almost never happened because prior to your first season in Formula Three, you had a, a road car crash. Yes. And I think a maybe a lot of people listening to this aren't yes. aware of that. Yes. What happened? How much damage? And were there, were there moments when you thought the dream was over? Yeah, I had the beginning of April, uh, a crash in Poland as a passenger where my arm was heavily broke. Which arm? Right, always right. And uh, yeah, I was, uh, so I missed the uh, first three weekends uh, of... Uh, Just of, what happened in the crash? Just can you put it, give uh, us any details? Uh, the, we, the car went off, we had the... We, we were, the guy was going too fast and the, the one car from, uh, from secondary road didn't stop on the stop so and they would practically to avoid the the car we went off the road but there was like 40 meters drop so uh yeah um, i i lost i missed first three races actually when i came back in norris ring i still have a kind of um kind of protection on my on my of my arm and nobody was uh, yeah it was a mix of time actually I recovered very quickly but I lost a lot of time because in Poland nobody wanted me to uh, 
actually operate to surgery they say no we will leave you like this three months and it will be okay actually they drill my my elbow put uh, like eight kilos you know old style uh, yeah eight kilos of what uh, of weight to to stretch the bones and it was a, a nightmare actually it was more painful when they were drilling my my elbow not painful but strange it was like a horror in the film you know they come actually with the driller like I you use conscious, you like, were conscious. Yeah, yeah. Like I use in the yeah, I was in hospital. Like I use in 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 my workshop, and they come. They say, eh? okay. They drill. They put a pin through my elbow, the bar, and and then uh, I see, and they practically they did a kind of breach, and then they they put I don't know if it was eight kilo or something, but big block of 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 weight. And they kept me like this for 10 days, 12 days, and uh, nobody, they didn't want to release my uh, x-ray. Why? I don't know, for policy or for whatever, they were scared. Nobody wants to surgery. So then we flew to Italy to Forma Medicine, uh, where I was surgery uh, in Lucca, near Forma Medicine. And then I started uh, rehabilitation and building up left arm. And uh, But still, you know, at that uh, time, you have a gearbox, a normal sequential, but a stick gearbox. So uh, I have to operate the gearbox and stuff like this. And uh, yeah, I came back and uh, my first race in Norrising, I won. With your arm still in a cast or a protective... Yeah, it was like 75. It was a bit, bit of... Uh, yeah. Okay. So maybe that's why I'm, I'm so still... So it didn't slow you down. And at no, no. point then did you think it was going to stop you on your no, journey no, no, to no, Formula no. 1? No, was I, I was not thinking of Formula 1. Even when you were in Formula no, 3? No. The, my goal was only to become as best as I can. Okay. Because I didn't know where I went up. Actually, when now thinking, when I only races in Poland where, where I could see on the television, and I was big fan of it, was British Touring Car Championship. Okay. It was the the years. Practically, I was watching. I don't know which year was it. I remember the cars were racing. Uh, I was watching practically two seasons behind. So, for for example. Uh, Go on. Who was winning? Ninety-eight. Yeah. I was watching championship of ninety-six. Okay. So there was the Ford there was Ford, Ford Mondeo. There was uh, yeah. Megan with yeah. uh, I think menu, menu, you know, yeah. menu yes. Yeah. There was Volvo with uh, uh, Rydal with Rydal. So there was no Volvo. Formula One, only the British Touring Car Championship. Yes. In only, and two years backwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> two years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so all championship. But I was uh, actually, uh, I was big fan of uh, touring cars. Yeah, uh, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, because there was a lot of racing and that's why I love karting. Yeah, okay, so so you're still not thinking about Formula 1 when you're doing Formula no. 3. You then go and win the World Series by Renault. At yeah. that point, surely you must have thought, I'm a Formula 1 driver because you get the no. test with Renault Formula 1 team as a result. No? Yes. That was the best ever car I drove. The best car you ever drove, best yes. Formula One car yeah, you Formula ever drove, yes. was that two thousand five Fernando's first uh, championship. Yeah, yes. But we ran; it was V ten uh, engine, but we ran with uh, two cylinders off because two thousand six was the first year where V eight engines were uh, coming into Formula One. So we ran V eight practically. I remember we were the only time we have V ten was pit lane because we probably they didn't have set it up pit uh, lane speed limiter. 
and I remember once I I forgot to switch off to V8 straight away. So I did like 100 meters, 200 meters with V10. Oof, it felt, ooh, <laughs> it felt proper. But anyway, everything was, and I remember I came day before and uh, everybody was testing and I went, it was still all Barcelona. So two last fast corners. And I went there and with uh, at that time, Daniel Morelli, my ex-manager. And, uh, and he, I think, realized I was scared. And he said, what's going on? I said, I- I'm not able to do this. It looks too fast. I-, I-, I cannot do this. And then I jumped in the car and I did it. And I did it extremely well, but I was so lucky to drive that car. If I would have to build up a car around me, probably 90% of that car would be in. Uh, the what, way it was so easy to drive. Yeah, the, no, easy. no, no. It was not so easy. It was it was built up because then then afterwards I discovered I have very similar way of driving of Fernando with Michelin's. So and the car was designed for Fernando. So I was so lucky, and I I realized I was so lucky month later when I drove with Zauber, because once I signed with BMW, the first test I did was 2005 car from Zauber, and it was a shock. Same track one month later. I couldn't do anything what I was doing. I become like a like completely rookie driver. Mm. Uh, I was doing was relocking. I couldn't stop the car. And with Renault it was so so easy. Can we then just sort of fast forward a bit? In that you know we go to Montreal the next year. Yes. You have that big crash. Yes. I think a lot of people listening to this will be aware of. They will have seen pictures, but they remember more my crash than. Uh, I think this crash gave me much uh, more uh, publicity is the not correct word, but even people outside of motorsport, they have seen it. Yeah. Because it was so unreal. Yeah. It, it, it was... the analog- analogy, you, you, you made more of an impact. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> unreal because it was, it, was, it was huge impact mm. uh, against the world and uh, I didn't break anything. Actually, the day after, in the morning, I was out of What is it like? to go through a 75G impact. I think that's what it was in Montreal. I think it was even more. 75, what is it? Whatever, whatever. I was lucky. I know the reason why I was lucky. I was lucky because the car was launched in the air. So I got all energy actually in the bottom of the chassis, where where in the plank, you know, where you are seated. If I crash straight away into the wall, uh, it it will be a massive. What were your main injuries? I mean, you say you weren't yeah, I, injured, I, but I mean, I, I, your no. neck must kind of be... No, no, no. It, that's why I say it, it was something strange. It, it, I remember I woke up, actually, they were, doctors woke me up like 4 a.m. just to make me a test of, uh, I don't know, stability, recognitions. Uh, because I remember first I got to the hospital and the doctor came, he saw the accident and I say, I have nothing, I'm fine. And they say it's impossible. Yeah, he's mad. Yeah, he's mad. So we do all X-ray, uh, um, how you call it? Now I'm missing words. Okay, all, all tests. Yeah. Uh, he come to me and he say, you are right. But because I have seen the accident, I have to redo all of them. Because this is... I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So after I did second time, uh, it was nothing. I have small kind of... Uh, pain here uh, on the on, on the, the feet yeah an- ankle uh, your right ankle you're holding yeah, r- right ankle but 
nothing big, you know, I could walk day after. I took some painkillers, but and 4 a.m. when they woke me up, I thought, oh, my neck will be... A... I, I tell you, I have more pain after my day one test after winter break, you know, when in your neck. When my neck, my neck is sore, then I had it in the... And that was still without... Uh, no, it was with Hans. It was first year with Hans, no, second year. Second, second year. year. Yeah, two sex. Yeah, without Hans, this <laughs> would be... You'd have had a sore neck, wouldn't you? No, no, this would be probably game over story. Oh, do you think, really? Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's how much the hands helped you. What, oh, yeah. a, what a brilliant... No, hands, without hands, I would kiss... Okay, I, I have long nose, so <laughs> first I would hit with the nose, but I would yeah. kind of, I, I say, kiss steering wheel, but it would mean, no, no. It, it was, was one of the best it was safety 250, developments. It was 250, 250. Yeah, if I... 10 years, you move this accident 10 years earlier and hmm. we'll not be talking. But I remember a lot of drivers the previous year who didn't want to wear it. Montoya, yeah, Juan yeah, Pablo yeah. Montoya was making a massive fuss about not wanting to wear it. And... Yeah. yeah, but uh, this saved me yeah. a lot. I, yeah. I think my life. So look, we fast forward and then of course, so the most famous thing you ever did in Montreal was that crash. The second most famous thing you did was go back a year later yes. and win the Grand yes. Prix, your debut Grand Prix. Yes. Quite funny that... Lewis Hamilton, the guy who used to race yes. with and play table football with, was so in, intrinsic to that victory, wasn't he, in terms yeah, of what yeah. happened in the pit lane? Yeah, but that's a bit of a bad thing, because everybody associates my win to this accident. Oh, damn. Me too. No, I don't Sorry. care. 2007, we've talked about. Yes. 2008. Eight. Yes. Best day the best and yeah. and the worst day of my life so that victory no worst not but so 2008 victory yeah. you have just described as the best and the worst day of your life right no it was not it's not my words it's the words of the guy i met mechanic who i met 3 months ago and i didn't saw him for 8 years he told me you remember canada i said yeah of course i remember this was my racing wise best and worst days of my life i said why because it was my our end of season, and he was right. I forgot about it. So what? The moment you won that Grand Prix. The moment we won Grand Prix, we knew it's our season. We will continue, but it's like we will not develop anymore. Why? Because you were leading the world championship yeah, but, after that. Yeah, race. but BMW was like a company. The team was run like company. We had a target to win race, and that's it. We won the race. We focused on 2009, there was cares, BMW was so keen about cares, it didn't work at all, it never worked. Right, now, all you folk listening to this, if there's one thing we've learned about Robert Kubica, it no, is it's one he, hour. Uh, he, he understands racing almost better than any other driver I've, I've spoken to at length. So, when you won that Grand Prix in 2008, why did you not say to BMW, there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to win the World no, Championship I, I next year? This. We have to challenge now, we have to develop. Yes, but by knowing this, you go review my press conference after the race. I, I think you I, said I, I, I we need happy. to keep pushing. Yeah, but this was a message because I know what will happen. This was a, a uh, transcripted message to. I couldn't say, I'm worried about that we will stop. I say to all press conference, we have to keep pushing. You have one race, you are leading championship. Why saying we have to keep pushing? It means you are worried that people will stop pushing. I remember chatting to you in 
Abu Dhabi at the end of 2009. So it was BMW's yeah. last race. They were having a bit of a party in the paddock, I remember. Mm. It was good fun. Um, good fun. We had good, yeah, it was good fun. We had a good time. But, yeah. but I remember you... I remember you being very... Strange. It was a strange atmosphere, yes. certainly. Um, but I think you knew already that you were going to be racing for Renault the next yeah, year. So, so you... I, I remember also people telling me why I signed Renault... Uh, where I, I could sign Toyota, which was true. And then Toyota, two weeks after retired, pulled away. You'd had enough of the company politics at BMW yeah, by then. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. best, my, my, my best really 10 months of work was in Renault. And this is another... That 2010 long, season. Yeah, long topic. Yeah. We need another hour. Some, some things were made. Well, there's one thing that was absolutely clear, is that your reputation within Formula One, I think was at its absolute height at the end of 2010. You did things with that 2010 car, Renault, yes. that only one or two drivers on the grid could do. So I don't know, because I, in the end, I was only driving that car. Uh, but yeah, I think it's true that uh, my reputation was much higher than... Like, most of the people or some fans, probably they don't realise it, because... People who watch the only numbers. Yeah, you'd only won would, one race. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, 2010 was. Whew. Yeah, you were doing great things. Yeah, and I mean, Robert, it was one of those moments. I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing when I heard about your rally accident um, in Andorra, and it was. I remember feeling physically sick at some of the. I saw the pictures and. Uh, I know you've spoken about this a lot yes. since then, but first of all, why the it's need... It's over one hour. We say oh, no, one no, hour. No, 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 <laughs> I don't want to answer. <laughs> but, but Robert, why the need? Why the need for rallying? That's a good question. I can answer. You remember when I say I was not thinking about Formula 1 when I was a kid? I was searching or trying to become as best as I can. I was fan of rally, and I'm a big fan of rally, but... I was searching something away of Formula 1 which will make me become better Formula 1 driver. So I was trying to find, to learn things which the other drivers, which I'm racing, they don't have it. And I still think in some very little circumstances, very little conditions, thanks to rallying, which I was doing very little, I scored more points in 2010 than if I would not do it. Why? Uh, sensibility. Uh, many times happened that I didn't stop to put intermediates. I keep going on slicks that everybody was coming and I gained massive positions. There are those things you cannot see. The only who can judge and who can understand is yourself. Because sensibility and sensitivity on steering wheel is only only driver can know what he needs and it's true that I pay a big price and I'm still paying it but it was not purely for fun uh, it, there was behind something I, I was not talking about it because what really happened is that the desire of becoming a better driver more complete driver the desire of finding something which others they don't have or that I can improve are my areas where I, I can improve because I think every moment we can learn something. I was not happy to be as good as I was. I need more. 
and I thought rally will give me this and it it really gave me the problem is that I pay too high price and the fi fact is that this was the last rally I was doing in my life because I knew that the team I was going to drive next year I was not allowed to rally so I d in the end it was strange circumstances that uh, I was offered that rally because the team felt guilty that rallies before I have so much failures with the car, they, they offered it me. And I remember I woke up in Valencia Wednesday, we were testing and I said, I don't want to go to this rally. And I called the guy and he said, oh, I organized tires road. He was so happy that he organized everything that I didn't tell him that I don't want to go. Why didn't you want to go? I don't know. I woke up and I say... Just a gut feeling. Yeah, and yeah I, I say, ah, oh, well, uh, it was after the test. I took flight. I have to fly to Milan, drive here, drive there. I said, I don't want to do it. And then uh, it happened. That's it. I just need to pick you up on something else you just said then. <laughs> the team you were going to drive for the following year was not going to let you rally. Yes. yes. What team? <laughs> was it a red team? Yeah. You had signed for Ferrari. Well, pro I think, yeah, I think it was already published. I mean, it's not something new, what I say. For 2012, you were going to be a Ferrari driver with Fernando Alonso? Yes. Extraordinary. So you'd been to Maranello? I have been to Maranello also a few years earlier. <laughs> but that's and, another topic. And you and Fernando had cooked up this plan between you that you were going to go and... No, I think he didn't know. He was not sure. I don't know if he knew or not. So you were going to be a Ferrari driver in 2012? Yes. Mega money, you were never going to have No, to... not mega money. Less money than I had before. At Sauber? No, in Renault as well. Decent, I think, decent I think, company car, at I least. Think, I, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, there are two things in Formula 1. And maybe because I race in Italy and I see f things like this, but or you b become world champion. Once you become established Formula 1 driver, because first one, there are four goals. Or three goals. First one is to enter Formula 1. Second one is to become established driver in Formula 1. So you have good value, good reputation, which is more difficult than to enter. Third one is, or you win World Championship or you become a Ferrari driver. I haven't won World Championship. In the end, I haven't become a Ferrari driver, but I was very close. That's it. And you spent so much of your life in Italy that you're, there's a part of you that's yeah, but Italian it, anyway. Yeah, but, it, but I don't think it, it really uh, put me in advantage of, of this because uh, if you look, Ferrari is not so keen to run uh, Italian drivers. Who uh, Was it Dominicali? Was yes. he the guy chasing you? Yes, I signed with him. You signed with Stefano? Yes. Wow. Robert, so just the psychology of what you had to go through after the accident, knowing that it was a rally you didn't want to do and that you would now not be a Ferrari driver because of the accident. Yes. Did that, did that make the whole recovery uh, no, harder? No, because my recovery was so hard itself that for the first 16, 18 months, it was not painful. Uh, it, it didn't hurt because I was fighting. I was concentrating on recovery. On I was going through difficult period, but it, actually, more time was going 
more difficult was becoming because uh, the hype of uh, that things can get sorted is disappearing. Uh, there were moments where I was recovering extraordinarily good and there were then months where there were then surgeries that they went wrong and actually I moved back six months instead of improving things. Uh, so there were really hard moments that somehow they use 100% of yourself. So you don't have time to think of, oh, I, I could be in that car. When I was watching Formula 1, I was missing Formula 1 uh, racing. I was not missing that. I never saw it like, oh, I, I could be in that car. Uh, it was more, mm, yeah, miss of, uh, of what, what was your life. In the end, uh, yeah, in the end, it, it was painful, but it was not more painful because I knew I was going to race for Ferrari. But in the end, uh, it is additional painful now, pain now. So how many different operations did you have? <laughs> I say one thing, I, nobody knows. Those are, <laughs> and knows. I say, and I, no, yeah, and I said in one interview, more than F1 races in one season. So more than 20? Yes. And not all of them helped. Some actually set you back. Yes. And mentally, how how tough was it? Is it? Ah, it is not anymore tough. The day I... I... I don't know how to say... I accepted that... Because the, the, the most difficult uh, thing is that you... You make your life hard because you try to do things like you were doing them before. But with my limitations, most of the things you cannot do them. But it doesn't mean like like same way. But it doesn't mean you cannot do them at all. And this was a, b- a bit Formula One thing. Because now <laughs> everybody after last year, there were heroes who came to me say, why so late? I think even if, uh, Sebastian, uh, I, I, someone to show me interview, say he doesn't understand why I tried so late. To come back? Yes. But I had possibility to drive Formula 1 car three years earlier, but I was not ready for it. But uh, you were able to do rally? Yes, rally I was able to do. But rally, it was my re- rehabilitation. It was so painful to... I went to DTM, Valencia, 2013. January, same track that I tested Formula One car for last time. Nobody thinks about it, but only to see this paddock, which I have image of being here for Formula One, it was painful. So I enjoy driving, but the time I get to the hotel, the whole thing starts back, thinking uh, Valencia, Formula One, blah, 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 blah. Was not good. So I say, okay, let's change completely. I still do what I like. Driving. Uh, driving. And rally environment is completely different. Nobody knew me, me there from before. I know, don't know anyone. You know, many people also from uh, like so- social life, I lost contact with everybody. Uh, but it was my medicine. It, it was the only way I could came out from what I was one day I realized that it was what I was missing. Since I stepped in Valencia paddock when when Renault offered me a test last year, I become 
it's like different person. So it 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 gave me um, I become more quiet inside myself right. before, and then I say, well, this is what I was missing. The the only you know, and I feel happy that I tried. Then outcome, and I say every time we met with. Uh, Cyril before the first test with uh, Paddy before first test in or or Claire before first test with Williams. I always said, first of all, you have to be sure that you want to do it. Second of all, I think I can do it, but of course because of my limitation, I have to show it. And every time I was testing, I was becoming more secure and more sure that I can do it. But nobody knew what will be the outcome. And when I tried it, it was like all in, all will work, or I have to forget about it. So mentally, for you, that first test with Renault, yeah, at Valencia, was it just a, a gift from them to you to say? I think uh, I I don't maybe gift yeah, I don't know I I don't think I didn't get the impression it was a gift because if I get the impression it was a gift, I will never take it. But the acceleration all story had after this was for sure not planned because it it has been intent because everybody associated last year as a great year for me, but it was very intense period, you know. And I remember there was one comment one person came to me and say, ah, you know why Renault didn't take you because they discover you are uh, releasing steering wheel in turn what was before last corner for a bit. And my answer was, because I'm, I learned one thing. I have to be honest with myself and with everybody else with my limitations. And my answer was, well, if they see only this, then it means that I am hiding very well my limitations. But the only person who knows if they are limiting myself or not is me. I say to Cyril and to uh, Alan Permain. I see it a bit yeah. In the first meeting, I say, I cannot guarantee you because they told me you have X set of tires, you have 100 laps, whatever. You go for it. And I say, yes, but there is a small chance that if, if I don't feel comfortable, I stop after a few laps. And I'm not anymore 20 years old kid who has to show that I can do it. So there is a risk. I guarantee you that if I don't feel comfortable with it, I will not do it because I have to, because I don't have to, you know. And uh, in the end, it, it turned out to to something more. Uh, but when it's turned it up to something more, it becomes, uh, there is more doubt. Uh, you know, I still think at a certain point, Renault was thinking to put me in the car. To race. Yes. Uh, some people, I think. But, you know, but then... Then there was one one problem, one problem, one reality. That until I was testing 2012 car, I think I could race easily. I was pretty sure I would deliver very good. When I jumped in Hungary 2017 car, there were so big expectations. But the facts are, the focus was on my arm. If I go off, it's not because uh, it can happen. Oh, because it's an arm, so I have to step back a bit, you know, I cannot do silly thing. And I have to learn everything. Whatever I knew from my racing time, 
and from 2012 car, which is was very similar to what I knew, I had to reset it. Everything is different. Because the cars are so much quicker? No, 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 it's not about speed. It's about the way you drive, the way they feel, the way they react, even the size. Yeah, longer, yeah. No longer, wider. I'm wider, yeah. You know, yeah, you are sitting in the middle, but... <laughs> You know those centimeters you have to mm. you have to take uh, and you know there are many things but people thought i will jump in and i will be 2010 driver well probably with 2012 car i could do it because it was so similar to what i knew but the worst is that in hungary i couldn't use anything what i know from my past i had to it's like a debut that you 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 put rookie driver in the car with 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 the history of Formula One of one of the top drivers when he was racing. So you pretend something mega, but he is rookie because I was rookie. One of my strongest points were long runs. I, I think I could race that car week after and I will finish on points. I struggled in, in the in the first lap to extract because I didn't know the tires, I didn't know where the car, car can, but this will come naturally, but the long runs were good. And then you read some, sometimes when you hear that I, I cannot do this physically. Oh, it was the, hot that test as well. Hot. Oof. But Robert, but, can you, can, can you look me in the eye and yeah. tell me yes. that you are the same driver that I knew back in 2010? Same driver. I cannot tell you, but mm. I think I'm better in some areas. I cannot tell you because, with experience. Yes, but 2010, I was coming after four years, full four years of racing. Mm. By stopping, you cannot mm. tell you, but I can tell you that I think if this was a beginning, it can get only better and big time. I don't know where, but I'm, I, I don't think I'm lacking performance, honestly. Mm. But, you know, because of my limitations, it's not enough I do same as the others. Mm. I have to do more. To do more, I have to have time in the car. That's why I was so fundamental for me to, when Williams offered me a role this year, that I have some time in the car. But, but not only, not to, I don't want to show to the others. I, I'm searching answers for myself. Mm. I know them. You, I know my answer. You've obviously had to adapt the steering wheel and, and, and yeah, but steering wheel. But but I mean, is your right arm? Yeah. You've got a good handshake, but he looks a bit of a passenger in all this, or is he not? It is passenger when it has to be passenger. Is is working when it has to work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a limiting, not a limitation. When it is done. making my life harder, diff, more difficult. But if you want, we can organize next week. 70 laps race you put whatever driver in the same car and see yeah let's put everyone with a white helmet on and see how yeah stick <laughs> sticking yeah yeah <laughs> but so okay so look you're now back in Formula 1 um, what, what is the end of the story where is it going do you you want to race for Williams in 2019 is that the goal I want to race I want to be on the grid next year with who? I don't know. With someone, <laughs> whatever. The truth, the fact is... And what have you got to do to convince people? I don't know. You need time in the car? But I don't... And do, I, do you I, get better I, every time you drive? I don't know if I get better, but 
uh, it's becoming more natural. It's like with tennis players, whatever sport, motorsport, we often forget that it's a sport. You need to practice, you need to do it. The best you do it, the moment you do it the best of your height is when you are high, is when you do it naturally. It needs to become natural, like drinking a glass of water. You don't put extra force to or attention when you are drinking water. It's the same thing. Okay. <laughs> are you right or left-handed? I was right, but now I'm left. And how difficult has it been to sort of... How's your writing with your left uh, hand? My writing is very limited because uh, we don't write anymore <laughs> in current true. days. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's... I never practice. I never train. If I train, probably I will become as good as I write. Mm. <laughs> because in the end, we, when we learn, mm. we start from zero. When we are kids, we start from zero. So somehow I started from zero when I was 30-something. Mm. Or oh, no, yeah, whatever, 20-something. Mm. I'm, I'm old, but not that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in your prime, according to Jackie Stewart. He always says yeah. that drivers in their early 30s is when you have mm. that combination of you're still young enough and hungry enough, but you have the experience yes. as well. Then. Yeah, I really think. It's not because I'm, I'm in this age, but I think when you are 20, you think you know everything. And when you are 30, you realize that when you were 20, you didn't know a lot. True. Well, when you're 40... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I can tell you <laughs> uh, Do you think you'd be doing a better job in the Williams than Stroll and Sorokin? I cannot say... I cannot answer this question. Not because I cannot and I don't want, but because physically you cannot judge it. Well, your performance during Barcelona FP1... Yes, was did, good. Did the team value your feedback? I don't know. You have to ask Tim. I mean, they had some new bits on the car, I think. Did you run a new floor or something? I can't remember. I ran old and new. But yeah, in the end, old and new. Uh, but in the end, in the race, some one car used old. It was not floor delta. <laughs> it was not the floor magic. There is no magic in motorsport. Uh, but in the end... You know, uh, it's it's not that uh, Barcelona, where I was, I think, very fast, and Abu Dhabi, where uh, for most of the people I was very slow. Um, I'm still the same people, same driving, and uh, in the end, uh, it's a question of approach, it's a question of what is the target and what's your personal target. Is a question of uh, feeling, of you know you can have better days worse days so and it's often the question in form one of how you sell uh, things but uh, I think Barcelona was uh, uh, was very important uh, not for me for the people who thought that uh, Abu Dhabi was uh, I was missing more than one second hasn't it proved that you weren't Abu Dhabi test yes, at the end of last yes, season. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Robert, it's been thank you so much. What a fascinating chat. What a infectious passion for motorsport you have. Um, when the driving days are done, do you think you'll be done with motorsport, or do you think you'll be getting involved in management? Do you think you'll? I. This is a. Or do you think... This is a topic which came out lately many times with different people. Uh, not even from some. I was asked lately from one. Uh, in, high-level person from different team. Okay. And uh, where I see myself. 
okay. Where uh, because he this? thinks I could do well in running the team or something. I say I'm not capable of doing it uh, because I have no experience and I'm very demanding on myself. This comes to from when I was a kid, when I was in Formula 1, to always become better and better. And uh, the way I'm happy is only when I'm really on the high level. And uh, for sure, I'm I'm big racer. I understand quite a lot. I think uh, running my own team, because not a lot of people knows that in last uh, season, most of the last season, I was ra- running my own team in WRC, racing against factories with uh, two small vans, six persons, and I was fighting against teams which had 20, 30 times of bigger budgets. Uh, but this was a good experience. So you, because do, I realized, you do have some experience. Because this real, I realized, yes, how it, difficult it is, and I don't want to have this headache. <laughs> <laughs> it's a proper job. <laughs> oh, it's... Uh, oof, it's uh, it, it is not easy to run uh, yeah. so many people, and uh, Formula 1 is a tough business. But, uh, you know, and, and the, but my first answer is that I, I'm still, I feel like still a racing driver, although I know I'm not racing. Uh, but until, until there is a wish of driving... I I have to try and I I I think it will be too easy. That, that that's a good thing. I think really it will be too easy to, to give up. It was so hard, but now it's even more difficult. The last step is the hardest one. People think it was difficult last year. No, the the hardest one is the last one. But you know, to give up before the trying everything. And it's, I'm not saying I have to try everything. I, you know, you never know in your life. So uh, I, uh, I'm using my opportunities in the test, uh, not about lap times, but about what I can give to the team. Okay, this is only seen in Williams, uh, but in the end, you know, people, uh, as many people thought that I was one second off after Abu Dhabi, people are talking for more. So. And I think already in Barcelona, people realize that, uh, you know, when I'm talking that I can do it is because I really think and feel I can do it. It's not because at the age of 33, after having, you know, I have more to lose than to win coming back to Formula 1. Uh, because if I don't deliver, I will be the first one who failed. And I don't want to fail anymore. Very simple. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, big guy. Thanks. That last line from Robert, I don't want to fail anymore, completely got me. Words that totally encapsulate the man that is Robert Kubica, a, a fighter, someone who never gives up. And it's not a surprise that he's an inspiration to so many people around the world. Next week, we're chatting to another F1 legend, so please subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And you know the drill rate review us we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and your favorite podcast app and if you want to get in touch please drop us a line using the hashtag f1 beyond the grid and if you want to cyberstalk me i'm at tom clarkson f1 beyond the grid is produced by f1 in association with audio boom until next time keep it flat out